Good morning, everyone, and welcome to a special edition of A Vision for You. Today is Sunday, July 31st, 2016. The share ID for Friday, July 29th, is 8952. That's 8952. This morning, A Vision for You presents the 25%. They, too, can find recovery. Step 12 gives us a guarantee a promise that if we take the first 11 steps, we will have a spiritual awakening. The result of working these steps is just that, a spiritual awakening. We have tapped the unsuspected inner resource of strength by working these steps, and our spirit is awakened. The actual intended program of recovery is a personal transformation through following the precise suggestions for each of the 12 steps as described in the book Alcoholics Anonymous, referred to as the big book. The writers tell us, if you want what they have, you must do what they did. What did the first 100 do? They submitted to a process of ego deflation and personal transformation, which freed them from alcohol by giving them a relationship with power. They fostered their new power by helping others experience a spiritual awakening through the same transformation process, giving them a daily reprieve, helping them maintain and improve their personal spiritual condition. With us this morning to share her story of personal transformation is Nancy R., a recovered compulsive overeater from Indiana. Nancy is eager to share her message of hope and possibility today. Welcome to the line, Nancy R. Uh, thank you, Leah. Uh, thank you, thank you. Uh, my name is Nancy R., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. I'm full of gratitude um, for finding OA because it has saved my life. I uh, first came to OA around 1975, and uh, it was it was the answer to uh, what had been plaguing me all of my life. I'm 72 years old, and uh, I am happy, joyous, and free. I got married for the first time three years ago at the ripe age of 69. I um, I moved from uh, my hometown of Chicago to a little town in Indiana. There's a soybean field across from the complex I live in. And I went to my uh, doctor the other day uh, for my annual physical, and uh, he, he just noted that I had lost X number of pounds since I moved here. And I was thinking, you know, uh, I two of the most stressful things in life at an old age, and uh, I've lost weight. God is doing for me what I cannot do for myself. I came to the program in 75, and I left for 10 years. In, 19, in 1993, I came back, headed toward 400 pounds, H- having tried everything imaginable and once you know once you hear the message i knew that i couldn't uh 
that Weight Watchers wouldn't work or any of the other programs that were available at that time. So I came back in 93, and I have stayed since then. But I've been recovered only three years, and I don't regret one experience that I had. I don't regret, uh, I don't feel bad that I didn't get it. It is what it is. Um, My life started out as a a person that was doomed to be overweight. Uh, My mother was very thin. My father was very obese. And uh, I I heard all, all of my life that, Nancy, you were such a big baby that your little mother had to have somebody to help her carry you because you were so heavy. So that was my um that you know, it was in my DNA that uh the fat cells were there and all of my uh youth, my teen years, you know, I went from being a chubby kid to a fat kid to an obese teenager. Uh my sister, there were two of us. My parents were um I had been married for years, and they had these two little girls, so we really were the apples of their eyes. Um, I was raised in a, a, a loving home, but it was a very patriarchal home, and my father was also a pastor. Uh, so everything my father said went. My mother and grand, my grandmother lived with us also, and my father was the final uh, authority. Um, my, they loved my sister and I so much. They didn't. They never wanted to see us argue. So we were not permitted to disagree, uh, which was probably nice, but it's not, it was unreal. So consequently, I had no experience in conflict resolution or how to deal with any type of uh, adversity. I idolized my big sister. She was everything that I wasn't. She was uh, thin like my mom. She had long, pretty hair. And uh, she was cream-colored. I was the polar opposite of her. She was a normal height. I shot up like a beanstalk. And I just idolized her. She was uh, an A student. And uh, I can remember the pain now whenever teachers would look at me and exclaim, you're Janie Ellis' sister? You know, like, wow, what happened? How, you know, how could you have a sister like you? Now, maybe they didn't, maybe they didn't mean that, but that's how I, I internalized it. Uh, uh, people would, uh, at, at my dad's church, people would always point out, you know, say things like, how come you can't be like your sister? Because my sister was very shy and timid. I was outgoing, tomboys, loved to play. And, you know, people would always say, why can't you be like your sister? Well, uh, I, you know, today I, I thank God for making me me. I like who I am. I like uh, the person that he made me uh, to be. We're each, each of us is unique, different, and special. I didn't always feel that way. Uh, and thinking about uh, my topic and the reason I picked it, because for many years uh, when I came back to the program, I felt like a failure. I felt that um, I just couldn't get it. I, you know, you know, I felt that everybody around me had it, but I just could not get it. And in 19, uh, I mean in 2013, uh, I was led to this meeting, and I got the most wonderful sponsor in the world. And she asked me to get uh, to write on, on the front page of my 
AA Big Book, these words, I'm willing to go to any lengths. This was on June 19, 2013. And she said, write, write this down. Dear Nancy, you're never going to have your way again as long as you live. Love God. P.S. If you follow the directions in this book, you will thank me for it one day at a time. What prophetic words. I had gotten a big book back in the, uh, 1970. I had gotten all the books, the big book, anything that was out. I had gotten it, but I didn't study it. I might have read it, but I didn't study it. Uh, we did the best that we could. I thought I had worked the steps, and I did. I lose weight because that was my primary goal. I lost weight, and um, um, people told me how good I looked. And then I met, I, I fell in love with, got engaged to a guy that had a little boy, and they needed me, and that was the magic word. He needs me. They need me. So they became the focus of my attention, and I, uh, I left the program for 10 years. On, uh, in the big book, in the foreword to the second edition on page uh, XX, Roman numeral 20, it states this. Of alcoholics who came to AA and really tried, 50% got sober at once and remained that way. 25% sobered up after some relapses. And among the remainder, remainder, those who stayed on with AA showed improvement. That paragraph resonated with me. It just resonated with me because I began to think about what would have happened if I had not come back, if I had not found a way, what would have happened to me? Even with my imperfect abstinence, I lost 100 pounds in this program and kept it off uh, since 93. So what would have happened if I had not stayed? And I, I am by no means to asking anybody to do what I did. I'm just sharing my story. I thought about it. At a modest 10 pounds, of that we're talking about 40 years, 41 years actually, uh, when I found a way. What if I had not? When I came in, I was in excess of 200 pounds. So what would have happened if I had not found it? At a, at a modest, just a modest gain of 10 pounds a year, that would have been 400 pounds added to the 200 that I had. I would not, I, I would be dead or immobile. That's what I would be. I would be dead or immobile. Today, I'm a distant swimmer. I swam 120 miles last year. I wouldn't be able to do the things that I do if I had not stayed. So for anybody who feels that you just can't get it or that you keep having relapses, look at this paragraph. Fortunately, some people get it right away. I wasn't one of them. Uh, for a long time, I was one of the ones that stayed and got better. I did. I did get better. I, I would hear certain things, and I would hold on to them, and they would keep me for a while. And then I would find myself back in the food. But the good news is that I never let go. Once I came back, I never let go. I, I never let go. I tried different uh, things. Oh, God. I can tell you some funny stories. I remember uh, I was in uh, one of the communities where uh, the Gracie community, and I was so determined. I felt that I had really gotten it. And uh, my sponsor told me uh, I was going on a Mediterranean cruise, and she said, uh, 
you know, every day, every day, Nancy, you have to email me what you eat, and you have to weigh and measure it without exception. And we talked about what would happen when I was off board or going on the excursions, and it was my, I was, everything was, everything was going so good. I had weighed and measured my salad, and I was walking towards my seat, and the ship lurched forward. I will never forget it. And a carrot fell off. A carrot, one little carrot. I almost had a meltdown because I didn't know what to do. Because I said, if I get another carrot, is it going to weigh more? Is it going to be an ounce more? Or is it going to be an ounce less? I mean, it was just so insane. So that one little thing messed up my whole cruise because I wasn't sure if I had been abstinent. Uh, I tried... um, uh, uh, another crazy thing, and I, and I mean, this cracks me up when I think about it. I have no idea of what we what what this was supposed to do, but we paid an exorbitant amount of money to go into this uh, spa, and we laid in these machines, and they would just beat us. They would just beat our body, and I would walk out there sore as all could get, and I'd go back the next day, pay this lady for these machines to beat our body, and. Uh, you know, all I got was a, a sore body, didn't lose a pound. Uh, you name it, Weight Watches many times. And everything worked initially. I, you know, I would lose the weight, but it would always come back. Um, my, my, my disease progressed. Um, at one time, I used to be able to, uh, ha- you know, control it. I remember when I first, when I graduated, uh, from college and started my career as an educator, um, I got addicted to the cookies in the cafeteria, and um, I would eat all I wanted all week. And then I wouldn't eat for the weekend. I just would eat anything. And uh, that kept my weight down for a while. But the day came when I wasn't able to do that, to do that. I was basically addicted to sugar. I never liked food. I mean, there are no foods I really, really like. I was addicted to sugar. And uh, a manifestation of it is that uh, I have had every dental procedure there is uh, because of the enormous amounts of sugar that I um, consume uh, during my addiction. Um, This program has taught me. That's why I love this program. And the doctor's opinion it tells me that I'm different, that I'm bodily different, you know, that my body, it says in Roman numeral XXV1, I learned in these rooms that my body is different from that uh, of a normal person. And uh, I was at a cookout this past weekend, and I just sat there and watched the way the normal people ate. And one lady guy was so engrossed in the conversation, she rarely ate. You know, and you know, I'm still, I still have the mind of an addict. You know, I kept saying, "When are you going to eat, lady? Your food is getting cold." But she was so engrossed and having such a good time talking, she rarely uh, touched her food. Today, I recognize I'm not a normal eater. You know, I have the mind and I have the body of an alcoholic with food, and uh, I will never change. You guys have taught me. This program has taught me. I'll never. I can never become. Uh, like them, I can never be like my husband, 
who has a slice of dessert every night before he goes to bed. And he buys his, it comes in a big round container, and it sits in my refrigerator. And uh, I had a I had a visitor, a program visitor, and she just said, "Wow, you look at that every day." And you know, I said, "You know, uh, this program has given me neutrality around that. Uh, I, it's there, but I don't see it." And that is the only way a sugar addict like me could live with something like that. The promises of this program are true. I've been given neutrality around um, my eating. I uh, 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 this um, this disease led me to believe that I was inferior, that I was less than, and um, I spent a lot of uh, I spent a, 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 a large a large portion of my life just trying to prove myself, trying to prove to myself and to others that I was a person of worth, and I used education, which wasn't bad, um, as a means of doing that. I um, I became a, a perennial student, um, and it was so interesting that after every degree, you know, the pursuit of it made me feel good. But once I got it, it was like the emptiness was still, that hole was still there. I remember when I got my terminal degree, you know, I was, in, I was 50 years old. I, I had finally achieved the pinnacle, you know, in my profession. I got the doctorate. And I remember sitting in the auditorium, you know, thinking, well, what can I do next? And, uh, you know, and I was saying to myself, you're crazy. You know, you're 50 years old. Uh, You spent a fortune and you're exhausted. And you're thinking about going back to school. Um, I discovered uh, as I began working the program, the 12-step program, that I was trying to uh, feel something that's impossible for me to feel that there's this big hole in my soul that only a connection that can only be filled by a power greater than myself. That's what I had been do- using for years. I had been using food uh, to make myself feel better. And it's so interesting. Uh, most, of my, most of my memories are associated with uh, some kind of food. Uh, and thinking about uh, how, what I was going to share of the progression of my disease, I I remember my first day of kindergarten. I was so frightened. I was so terrified. I lived in this little small world with my mom, my grandmother, my father, and and uh, the people around me. And I remember just being terrified. And I remember going to kindergarten, and they gave us some cookies and milk. And that is my first memory that how good I felt after I had those cookies and milk, and how I wanted to go back the next day so I could get cookies and milk. So I became an overachiever. I, uh, I, um, I was trying to prove that I was as good as my sister and that even though I might be fat, I'm smart. And that was my goal in life, to prove to people that I might be overweight, but I'm smart. That was my defense, you know. Uh, I might be fat. There was a kid uh, in grammar school, uh, and I was a victim of a lot of harassment all through all through school. Uh, people teased me about my weight. Kids can be very cruel. Today they call it bullying. Uh, but all I know is that the kids teased me a lot about my weight. And this boy used to call me FBI. And, and you know, he said, here comes the FBI. 
And uh, and then he would say, fat, black, and intelligent, and the kids would just roar. And, I, you know, all I could do, you know, I never said anything. I never lashed back, you know, because I was taught to be, uh, you know, basically to be meek. And uh, uh, sometimes when I think about it, I can still feel that pain. Um, when I came to the program, I was told that I was powerless over food. I had no problems believing that. I knew that food had me whipped, but I didn't really understand what exactly what the powerlessness was until I came to uh, Visions for You and got a, a recovered sponsor and began to work the 12 steps as outlined in the big book of Ovidus Anonymous, Powerless. I have no problems admitting that I'm powerless. Um, and the unmanageability of my life. That was the easy part. Once I really but I once I really understood what it meant, I understand that I'm bodily different, that there are certain foods, if I eat them, I'm off it doesn't matter what happens, that that becomes the primary thing. I could be uh in Egypt on the pyramids, enjoying the spectacular view. I could be floating down the Nile River. I could be in, at the Eiffel Tower. It doesn't matter. If I ingest certain things, everything becomes a, the only thing up, uh, up, uh, that becomes paramount to me is getting more of that food. So it began, you know, that that began to just knowing that solve years and years, the years I've been in the program of my behavior. One night. Uh, I had just moved away from home, and uh, I, I was looking for this exciting life as a single woman. I had lost weight, and uh, I just knew that life was going to be wonderful, and I got this urge. And today I know I was lonely and scared. I didn't know what it was then, but I just had this urge to get something. I needed something, and I, and, and I lived in a high-rise area that was very dense, and if you got got a parking space, you you wouldn't dare move because if you move, you'd have to maybe block uh, park four or five blocks away. It was midnight. I will never forget this. It was midnight, and the urge was so great that I didn't want to, but I had to. And I kept saying, "What's wrong with you?" Terrified, getting dressed, getting in my car. Driving to the only thing that was open was an all-night liquor store. Walking through crowds of, uh, of men who were, hey, baby, get, got a nickel. It's terrifying going in the store, buying bags and stuff. And I was thinking, I said, you know, I'm no different from them. I didn't know, you know, uh, 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 the, 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 the true meaning of being powerless at that point, but it just sort of clicked. I'm no different from these alcoholics out here panhandling for money to get a drink. The only difference is that, you know, I'm not panhandling, I got money, but they, they're they trying to get their stuff and I've gotten mine. I got back in the car, had to, sure enough, had to walk about four blocks to back to my apartment, terrified, terrified. Didn't want to do it, had to do it, didn't know how not to do it. That's the manifestation of this disease, my brothers and sisters. So I had no problems understanding powerlessness. And the second part came to believe. Now, being a, a minister's daughter, I thought that would be easy for me. But as I began to delve into my spirituality, I had to confess, 
I had always felt guilty because I never believed in the uh, things I heard. When Even when I was a little kid, I tried to pretend that I believed, but I, I never believed a lot of the things I heard in church. You know, I was always inquisitive. I, 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 I loved to read, and a lot of it was just so contradictory, and I would feel guilty. You know, I said, I, you know, I wanted to have the kind of blind faith that my grandmother and, and, and my uh, father and my mother appeared to have. And I wanted it, but I could never get it. So it's, uh, uh, this program taught me about a God of my understanding and that it didn't have to be the, my childhood, the God that I was given as a child. So I looked around and I saw people who had been uh, relieved of the uh, obsession. And uh, I, 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 initially I went to a lot of AA meetings when OA first started in Chicago. And I met some wise and wonderful people. And the things they told me began to come back to me. And uh, I, I, had, I developed a relationship. I, I've always believed that there was a higher power. Uh, I've always believed in, in, in uh, an entity, but it wasn't the one that uh, I was taught as a kid. And I sort of felt guilty because for me, uh, for a while it was like rejecting my father. And it has nothing to do with him. It's my own personal walk. So I saw uh, what had happened in these alcoholics. I saw what, what had happened in, in OA rooms. And I knew that I could not do it. And as I studied the literature, read all the stories, and saw how people had been relieved, I said, oh, yeah. Came to believe that a power greater than myself could restore me to sanity. That I made it, it said, make a decision. You know, well, I had made that decision a lot of times. I made decisions to do a lot of things, but I never did it. So if I, I made a decision, then what am I going to do? I've got to move forward. So I moved forward into the fourth step. And let me tell you, brothers and sisters, I've got more out of this program than years and years of, 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 of going to a psychiatrist, uh, any type of analysis. I've got answers to problems that have plagued me for years just through doing uh, the step work. So in the fourth step, I began to learn how, you know, how Nancy operated. You know, how did I tick my inner workings? And I discovered fear was an underlying thread of my life. I was such a fearful person. And everybody always talked about, you know, what a bold, because I've traveled, I've traveled uh, uh, internationally by myself, and people talk about how brave I am. Hey, they didn't know the real me. I was frightened. I was so full of fear. And doing the step work, I got to the root of it. I, uh, my, father, my mother's mother lived with us. My grandmother was born in the late 1800s. She was born uh, 20 years after slavery. So her mother was a slave. My mother was born in slavery, and uh, my grandmother lived in, in the Deep South, and she was subjected to all kinds of things that she would share with us. And she, uh, bless her sweet soul, she spent more time with us than my parents did. So a lot of the things that she had to say, you know, she had transmitted this fear to me. Uh, it didn't appear to affect my sister the way that it affected me. But as I worked into the step, you know, 
She would always, she taught me a lot of good things, and I'm so grateful for it. She taught me so many wonderful things. She lived to be 100. A real little bit of lady, only ate two meals a day. Uh, I didn't get that part. But uh, some of her pearls of wisdom still resonate with me today. But she transferred her fear of the world onto me. So working with the steps, I, um, I looked at my character defects because I had never known. I just thought uh, I, this was me, you know, this is me. And I didn't know that I could do any differently, that I could be any differently. So sharing my, sharing my inventory with my wonderful sponsor, I began to look at the things that uh, were not working for me, the things that needed to be discarded. And I can tell you, I'm still a work in progress, you know. Uh, I looked at those things, and uh, I asked God to remove them. I said the seven-step prayer, and I thought that that was going to do it. Uh, I have learned as I, you know, there was a man that at, at, one of the, at one of the meetings used to always say, more will be revealed. Now, every meeting he would say, more will be revealed. And that is so true. As I study, as I get involved in the study, more and more is revealed to me. And I discovered that if I'm going to change, it takes more than just me doing that prayer, that there's work involved for me to change. Um, I did something yesterday on a train that showed me progress. Um, I was late. Uh, get, I, I barely made the train going into Chicago. And uh, there's a penalty you pay on weekends if you take the, the commuter train in. And uh, you uh, don't get your ticket from the ticket agent. And so I heard, I heard. I clearly heard the agent tell his family, "I saw you running." You know, they were talking. They were discussing price. He said, "I saw you running, and I know you, you couldn't get to the ticket uh, counter." And so when he got to me, he quoted the price, and I said, "Sir, I was the last, I was next to the last person to get on the train, so I wasn't able to get to the ticket uh, counter either." And he said something, and I said, "But sir, I heard you. I heard you." Uh, tell that family uh, that, you know, you saw them and uh, uh, you understood. And I said, I heard you, I overheard you say that. Now, that might not seem like a big thing, but for me, a person who uh, doesn't like to confront things, that was, you know, after done it, I just said, wow, a few years ago, I would have just mumbled and grumbled. I wouldn't have said anything. So this program, uh, the work that I'm doing on uh, on my character defects, you know, God is removing some of them. Some of them come back. That's why I have to do this daily 10 step, uh, because sometimes they come back. Sometimes that old behavior comes back, and I have to address it. Uh, I'm, uh, you told me uh, that I have to uh, uh, make, you know, the, the list for my inventory that I had to Look at where I need to make amends, and I had done that before. I, had, I had, on my own, I had done an eight, uh, 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 an eight step, and 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 made amends to people that didn't. I didn't need to make amends to. I had been mad at a lady for something she had done to my father. My father had been dead for years, and I, I'm calling this lady to tell her that I've been mad at you all these years for what you did to my father. And I, I will never forget. She told me, "Oh, Nancy, I can understand why you were angry." She said, but I had I had 
uh, apologized to your dad years before he died, but didn't I feel like a fool? Um, at any rate, working with a recovered sponsor, I looked at the amends that I needed to make. Uh, I made all of them except for two. Two is a financial amends, and I recently heard somebody explain how they did it, and it gave me the information I need to make it. Uh, the other amends is to a former uh, employer, and I I tried to get in touch with him. I wrote a letter to his house. I never got a response. And then it just dawned on me, the man is in his 90s now. He might not even know who I am, but that's not important. I'm willing. If I ever see him, I'll approach him, and if he's amenable to it, I will apologize. Um, that's the best I can do. So after making my amends, um, and, and am I glad I did that? I became a principal of a school that I had taught at for uh, many years, and I had bad relationships with one with with one particular person, and here I am. I'm going to become her supervisor, and um, I had uh, had I, you know I was back in program, and I made amends with this young lady, and the rest of my tenure there, you know, I was able to pass by her, and 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 feel absolutely nothing. I'm not sure how she felt about me, but I apologize for my part of it. Her response, uh, she she never said she had done anything. She just accepted it, and it, it's okay. It's okay. I'm not. You you guys have taught me how the other person responds is none of my business. I just clean up my side of the streets, and then I get into um, ten, eleven, and twelve. That has that those steps have given me life. You know, um, I ran into. Um, the first thing I did when I moved here was I found an oh I had to find an OA meeting immediately, and so I uh, a lady who ha- a lady who hadn't been to a meeting in a while uh, came to the meeting and she said she said I came back to the meeting because I saw Nancy and she just looked so happy. She said I saw her and I asked her you still going to meetings and she smiled and said yes, and Nancy just looked so happy, and I said you know. I am, I am. Now it doesn't mean that my that that I don't have problems, or that, that that situations don't come up, but that it's as happy, joyous, and free. The promises have come true. I never thought it would come true for me. I thought that I would just be um, the one, like it says in uh, um, the forward to the second edition. Though among the remaining who states uh, with AA showed improvement. But when the 25% who sobered up after some relapses, that's who I am today. I got a vision for you, and I have truly sobered up. I have truly sobered up. I wouldn't take anything for my journey now. So I continue. I continue. I continue to practice these principles. You know, for so long I thought that Food was my problem. When I came and learned that living was my problem, I didn't know how to live. I had not been given the tools, you know. Uh, for some reason, I just had never developed the tools. Now, it says that once we start practicing our addiction, our addiction, that's when we stop growing up. I've been practicing my addiction as far as I could uh, recall. So I never grew up. 
if that if that is true, then that means I never grew up. I was an educator's adult walking around with a mind, the mentality, the life skills of a kid. That's what I was. So through prayer meditation, establish a conscious contact with God, praying only for knowledge of his will for us. That's what my sponsor was talking about when she had me to write, you're never going to have your way again. I didn't realize that that's what this life was about. I thought it was my responsibility to work hard uh, so that things could go my way. Get an education. Get a good job. That was drilled into me as a kid. Get an education, Nancy. Get a good job. So you, in case you get a no good husband, you'll have to be able to take care of yourself. Um, so I, you know, I guess the subliminal messages for me was don't get a husband because he's not going to take care of you, so take care of yourself. But the, uh, uh, conscious contact with God, to me, is one of the most, per- oh, it's, it's, such, it's just one of the sweetest things in my life. I get up in the morning, and uh, there are geese, uh, there's a lake in behind us, and there are geese out there. I feed the geese. When I come out, a flock of geese fly in because they see me. Oh, what a spiritual experience. The, uh, the rustling of the trees and the birds are singing. That's a spiritual experience. It puts me in the mood to do my private prayer and meditation time. And I, I have books that I read, uh, OA and other spiritual books. Uh, pages. I, I have a, a, a mentor in the program. She's been in the program for 50 years. And she says, I read pages 86 through 88 every day, Nancy. She said, I read pages 86 through 88. I've been doing it for 40-some years because I forget. She said, I forget. So I don't read those pages every day, but I read them regularly as part of my morning meditation. And it reminds me that, uh, I, that, that I'm to pray to do God's will, not for, those, uh, not for things to go my way. Uh, a little wonder that I was always fluttered and, and, and upset. Life rarely went my way. And as I look back over it, I'm so happy it didn't go my way because I find that the higher power's way is so much better. I love uh, the prayer and the meditation today uh, because it's a God of my understanding. And guess what? Because I develop a God of my understanding, I have, uh, I'm a church musician. I play piano, and I played for many denominations. And uh, I found basically they are very similar. They just have different uh, things that they focus on. And I had swore that I would never, never attend the denomination of my childhood. Guess what? I'm playing at a church that reminds me of the church that I grew up in, and it is so different, you know, because I'm providing a service. When I when I came here, I asked my high power uh, to lead me to a church. You know, I, I tell everybody, I'm a church girl. I was born in the parsonage. I'm, I'm a church girl. I like going to church. Uh, so when I came here, I asked my high power to, you know, lead me to a church. I met a lady in a, in a thrift store, and she invited me to a church, and I began going. And um, and they have this beautiful baby grand piano sitting there. 
and I heard my spirit speak. It says, you can play, and they don't have a pianist. So I volunteer my service, you know. And things are not going there the way that I think they should. And there's a, a real controversy going on. But this program has taught me, and I thank God for it. It says, we have ceased fighting anything and anybody. I, you know, I, I can't afford I, I've learned I can't afford to get into cat fights anymore, you know. It's like God's will be done, you know. What would you have me to do? I learned that in these rooms. Um, step 12. Step 12. You guys taught me that. And when I read that, on page 89, it says, Practical insurance. Practical experience shows that nothing will so much ensure immunity from drinking as intensive work with the other alcoholics. And I said, insurance? I can get some insurance that if I do something, I don't have to uh, get up in the middle of the night and go to the stores. And I'd have to drive miles because I'm out here. Uh, uh, you know, I'd have to drive a distance to get to the stores. And I like being in a big city. And you mean I can have insurance that I don't have to go back to that crazy behavior? Uh, I don't have to go back to being scared of uh, of everything and everybody. And it, it's right there in black and white that if I work with others, and that's what I try to do, you know, and, you know, especially somebody who is struggling, you know, I understand, I understand how it feels to feel that you just cannot get it. But I'm here to testify that if it can happen for me. It can happen for anybody. Not in my time. <laughs> Excuse me. Not in my time. But in God's time. The miracle can happen for anybody. The miracle, if it happened to me. Excuse me. I'm just so grateful. I shudder to think of how my life would be if I had not come into these rooms. I would have spent my whole life running around in circles, chasing after something that I could not get. I have no power over over this disease. I have no power over it. But there's one who has power, my higher power. I find it in the rooms. I find it in when I hear people speak. I find I, that's how I get access to that power. I go to OA meetings. I hear every time I go, I hear somebody say something that I need to hear. That's my higher power working through that person. I pick up some literature. I read something. That's my higher power talking to me. My sponsees, the people that God put in my life, they are precious to me because they keep me working the steps. Right now, I got a new sponsee. We're going through the foreword. I never read the foreword before until I worked with my sponsor. I had no idea that a foreword could have so much richness, so much information. Uh, I'm working with another sponsor, uh, we uh, we worked together for a long time, and we're going through the AA 12 and 12 together. I wouldn't be doing that if I wasn't working with her. Uh, my other sponsees, we do I do 10-step work with them. 
and working through their issues, it's, the finger is pointing right at me. Uh, I found the best on Magic Diet. I thought I had found one. I was a macrobiotic vegetarian for 10 years. And, uh, it, you know, it worked good for 10 years. But, hey, one day my body says, no, this is not working. I developed severe insomnia. Um, and it's something I, you know, it, it's, it, and, and there's a correlation with it in my food plan. So in these rooms, I, I was led to a way to eat where I can uh, be normal and sleep. And that was no small doing. But I found I didn't leave the program. I uh, I found the answers. I found the answers for everything that plagues me in these rooms. I could go on forever. I could go on forever because uh, my grandmother used to say these words. In, I used to hear it said in church, and I would just shudder because it just sounded so awful. It says, I've been regenerated, and I've been born again, and I... I was just like, what is she talking about? Today I can proclaim that I have, I'm a new person. I have been reborn. I'm not the person I used to be. Only because of these 12 steps. And that, thank you for letting me share. I'll stop with that. Thank you so much, Nancy, for sharing your beautiful story filled with experience, strength, and much hope with us today. Thank you so very much. Nancy R's contact information will be given at the conclusion of this recording, so stay tuned for that. And now we'll take the opportunity to transition to question and answer period. If you have a question, please press star 1 to unmute and identify yourself. God Mary Lee in Eugene, Oregon. Mary Lee, Charles H. Laura G. Laura G. LCM. LCM. Did I miss anyone thus far? I have Mary Lee, Charles H. Jody Severs. Jody. Jody T. Jody T. Okay. Anyone else? Okay, let's start with this group. It'll be Mary Lee, Charles H., Laura G., LCM, and Jody T. Good morning, Mary Lee. Good morning. This is Mary Lee R. in Eugene, Oregon. Thank you so much, Nancy. Um, your blessings just can be felt. Could you talk about what your first thing you do in the morning and the last thing you do at night um, kind of relating to pages 83 to 88. Thank you. I thank you so I thank you so much. Um when I get up in the morning, uh, in terms of program, the first thing I do I go on the back porch and I feed my geese. I mean, that's a spiritual act for me. I uh, I feed them, they fly in and um uh, I listen to the leaves there's a tree that's over in my balcony almost and the, and it's 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 like the leaves begin to uh move back and forth the birds fly in and i um i uh come in and i read uh OA literature when i get when i you know when i wake up i thank god before i get out of bed i thank god for another day 
I'm 72 years old. I'm, I'm grateful that I woke up. So okay. I'm still here. Thank you, God. And uh, I thank God. I ask him, you know, I ask him for an abstinent day because I recognize it's not something I can do. Then I get up and I go back there and I feed the geese and I listen to the birds sing. And, excuse me. Uh, and I come in and I do my reading. And then I um, I uh, I write. Uh, uh, I listen to the visions. I listen to the visions for me. Uh, uh, meeting, and uh, uh, then I, I you know I journal. I journal. I talk with my sponsees, and uh, that's it. That's it. That's how. I, that's what I do. Does that answer your question? Would you like to include the evening as well? Oh, oh yeah. Okay, thank you so much for that. Uh, Let me go outside. My husband is is, uh, arguing with the dog, so you won't hear them. Uh, I suffered with with, with insomnia, and uh, um, I suffered past tense, and part of my um, uh, therapy was I was told that when you go to bed at night, uh, you know, never fight sleep. Whenever you get sleepy, immediately lay down no matter what's happening. And so because of that, I do um, my 10 steps all through the day. I, I, you know, I do them all through the day. And um, if I, when I hit the bed and I can go to sleep, that's a blessing. But I try to do my 10 steps all through the day. And when I wake up in the morning, if there's something lingering, I'll do a 10-step then. But when I lay down at night, my goal is to go to sleep uh, because of my sleep disorder, you know. So that's what I do at nighttime. When I lay down, I try to go, you know, I relax and go to sleep. I don't get into any, oh, I don't go into any, um, uh, it. That's, that's it for me. Thank you, Nancy. This is still Mary Lee. This is um, my pattern, too, and I just thank you because I, I do similar. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Mary Lee. Or Charles H., your turn. Thank you, Nancy. Uh, that was such a great uh, qualification. Um, you really got my attention when you said uh, uh, back in 2013 that you're uh, uh, someone in OA or someone you know and respect their recovery asked you to sign that, that contract on that blank page on Alcoholics Anonymous. I'd like if you could elaborate on that. Um, if if uh, <clears throat> that person... Obviously, that 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 changed your whole recovery um, positively. But my question is, um, did you get any more suggestions as far as like internalize and reading page fifty-eight along with that, or any other um, any other um, suggestions you got from that individual uh, signing that contract in that uh, beginning page in Alcoholics Anonymous? I'd be Grateful to um, hear your insights on that. Thanks, and I pass. I'll, t- I'll try to address it. That person uh, is my sponsor today. Is my sponsor, and what she uh, has helped me to successfully uh, a transition into is that my goal in life is to be of service to my higher power. I mean, that's what this whole thing led me to. And when I first did it, it was like oh, okay, but it really didn't have the depth and meaning that it has today. My whole goal in life is to be of service to my high power. And, and, and before, my whole goal in life was to lose weight, just to lose weight so I could be like my mother and my sister. 
and you know, even at you know, even at fifty or six, I want to still be like them. But so when I wrote this, I said, okay, but it really didn't have the depth and meaning. Just, just let me illustrate this to you, Charles. An incident happened Friday that really indicated to me how this program has impacted my life. I was on my way to the YMCA, uh, and I saw what had been a car accident. I live in a mostly, I'm have to keep it real, I live in a mostly uh, 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 majority town, few minorities. And um, the, um, uh, the girl that stood in the corner was a minority, and she had a little baby. And that's all I saw. I saw the little baby, and the girl was hysterical. And and I and you know it, and 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 I was told. Oh. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I'm sorry. Uh, I was told to. Um, I mean, I got this feeling that I need to stop and help her. I need to stop and help this girl. And the little baby was standing, and the mother was just hysterical. So I pulled over, got out the car. And um, I went over and, I, and the girl fell into my arms and started crying. Make a long story short, she said that this man hit me and the police are saying it's my fault. Up walked another lady. She said, I saw the whole thing. I saw the whole thing. And she said the guy was going too fast and he hit her. And the girl was just hysterical and she was just screaming at the police. And I told I said, sweetheart, I said, be quiet. I said, be quiet. You have to solve this in court. And I said, be quiet. Don't say another word. And finally, the lady, the lady spoke up. She said, I'm an attorney. And I said, look at God. Look at higher power. My job was to shut that girl up because at the rate she was going, she would have been arrested. And, I, and so when I got in my car, that she got in the car with the attorney, and the attorney would say she would take her home because they were impounding her car. And so, you know, when I was driving, and I said, you know what? If I was full of food... I wouldn't have even heard that. I would say, let me get to the wire so I won't be late for my uh, session. But this program has taught me to, you know, uh, food, food separates me from God. Stay out of the food so you can hear God speaking to you, so you can hear that inner voice telling you to uh, do certain things. And, I, you know, I was like 30-some 30, 30 minutes late getting to my uh, exercise. No big deal. I really believe I saved her from something even worse. You know, that was my job that day. So uh, as I as I work this program, and I, as I listen to speakers, as I read, I recognize that my job is to be of service, maximum service, not just in the rooms, but wherever I go. And sometimes it's just to smile at somebody, you know, give somebody a, a, a hello, you know. Uh, I, I, I was talking with this gentleman, an elderly man, uh, uh, in and in, in 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 a uh, cafeteria, and he just wanted to keep talking. And I said, you know what? Maybe I'm the only person that he's having a conversation with. So I just talked. We talked about books until I finally got up and left. So that if that's my job. My job is to be a maximum service to God. That's what this program has taught me. I hope I answered your question. Thank you very much, Charles H. Laura G. Your turn. Am I being heard? Yes. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Leah. Thanks, Leah. Um, I just want to say, first and foremost, that I love you. And um, I want to ask the question, The how long and what did you do to build on the time that you spend with God? Because that's where I suffer the most. It's like trying to learn how to 
stay. I can't stay. And I know the fear. I don't know where it came from, but I know that I've got to do some work on that because that's what it is. Somebody, somebody implants fear in me. And even trying to stay with God for more than 30 seconds sometimes is so hard. So please tell me how you grew on trying to stay or getting to the place to stay and how you got to this beautiful place that you are now. Thank you. Okay, well, you know, you know, it's a daily walk. You know, some days I don't feel that close. I mean, couple, uh, last Sunday after church, after church, I felt so estranged from God because they had this awful meeting, and uh, there's a group that wants to fire the pastor, and I was just a, I was in a state of shock, and I, I mean, I didn't feel anything. But what happened was, I went to a meeting Monday, I went to OA meeting Monday. And I keep hearing, you know, you know, there are certain things that are just implanted. We cease fighting anything in anybody. So whenever I want to get into a fight, that, that phrase just jumps up. You can't afford to get into this fight. You know, they're going to court. You know, you can't afford to be in that stuff. What you have to do is just pray for them. You know, and whatever happens will be God's will. If you don't like it, you might not li- I might not like it. I might not like what happens. A lot of times I don't like what happens, you know. But in the long run, I find out that, it, it, you know, what I wanted to happen wasn't the best thing. And that just comes from living life, you know, uh, uh, reading, uh, those, reading those pages, reading those pages, listening to meetings, and, uh, you know, saying the prayer, like it says, all through the day, say, thy will be done. I try to do that. I try to do that. Some days I do it better than others, but 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 by always saying that will be done just over and over, even when I don't mean it, you know, even when it's like that will be done. Oh, please let me let me win that five hundred five hundred million dollar lottery ticket. That will be done, you know. Uh, just over and over, it's just practice, practice. And what happens is that we do get that psychic change. I am not the person I was three years ago. I'm not the person I was a year ago. Because we continue to change, and you know, through life's experiences and uh, the understandings that we get in this program. So, you know, just read those pages. Listen to people. Read them again. Listen to people. And uh, before, you know, you'll be amazed before we're halfway through. That's what it says. I'm amazed at me. Yes. Thank you. All right, dear. Thank you, Laura G. LCM. Can you hear me now? Yes, I hear Sorry you well. Mm-hmm. Um, this is LCM from outside Philadelphia, um, compulsive overeater. And uh, thank you, Nancy, for your uh, share. It's, it's really phenomenal. I have my notebook and my pen out. Um, my question has to do with um, what you shared about how many times you've been through this program. I, I have done the steps um, at least three times through A Vision for You, actually four um, and yet um, I still seem to want to have control of my life um, instead of surrendering certain issues in my life over to God. I keep trying to be in charge. And um, I just, I mean, I heard what you said just now, read those pages, listen to people. And I guess I will keep doing that, but I'm feeling a little, um, what happens is I end up taking a couple extra bites and I don't, go back into a full binge, but I'm not abstinent because there's still some kind of call to the food for comfort. And I just wondered if you could speak to that, please. 
Uh, well, you know what? You, I think, I mean, we nailed it. You know, um, uh, okay, but you know, just let me, I'm happy you mentioned the food. Let, I'm going to talk about that just for a minute. For years, for years, I thought everybody was doing it better than me. For years, I thought uh, the food plan that I wanted to be desperately, I wanted to remain a macrobiotic vegetarian until I died. But like, because like I told you before, I'm not really, I don't really like food. I like uh, sweet. So, and uh, God has taken that from me. He had to take it. My power has taken that obsession from me. But that food plan doesn't work for me anymore. And so I always felt that, every, you know, that everybody was doing it better than me. So I, what I did, I had to pray for a food plan that I could follow. One, particularly with the insomnia, I had to pray and find a food plan that I could follow, that would give me the nutrients I would need. I had to adjust the times that I ate uh, so uh, it would all uh, work for me to be a healthy person, you know. And so uh, I just, you know, I kept praying, I kept praying, and I kept asking people. I kept praying, and, and I've mentioned it in, in meetings. I have insomnia, and when I, uh, 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 <laughs> when I eat uh being macrobiotically, I don't sleep. And when I eat such and such, I'm able to sleep. And I, I you know, I, I went to nutritionists. But the bottom line was I had to find a way that to eat that was working for me. Because the way I was, the way that I was trying, I, I always ended up doing what you just mentioned, you know. But until I found a way that, that I could eat that worked for me, I was constantly, uh, you know, picking up the food. But when I found a plan of eating that it was like, you know, God, I finally heard, I finally heard God. I finally heard God found a way to eat that works for me. Okay, that's all I can answer that. Don't give up. Don't give up. If you ever feel like giving up, go back to the forward to second edition. You know, keep, you know, you can, you can, you, you can get it. It will come. You know, it will come if you work for it. I believe that. Thank you, Elsie. Jody T. Thank you. My name is Jody. I'm from Chicago. And I want to thank you for your lead. It was beautiful. But my problem is, I guess really the people prior to me, you answered a lot of the questions I had. The one thing that I have, I struggle with, and I was absent for a long time, for quite a while, and I broke my absence this weekend. And um, I forget. Um, when I say quite a while, that's not quite a while. Quite a while for me is weeks. I've um, been in the program for about 14 years, and I'm bulimic. And it's um, the one thing I struggle with is time. Um, I have a different kind of life. My husband works. Till 9:30 at night, and um, he's just off at nine, and he comes home. And it's very difficult for me to not eat with him again. So I pushed up my times that I eat, like starting later in the day, and I get up early because I work early. Blah blah. So I'm in like maybe sometimes a 16-hour awake time, and and a lot of it is preparing food for him and myself. Anyway, I forget 
and I lie to myself, and I just, you said read the pages, um, 86 to 89, and when I'm in the panic, when I, when I have eaten too much, and it makes me feel like I don't want it in my stomach, then I flip into binging, and then I want to throw it out, and it's, it's not, it's, it's difficult because it's because I'm not that that connected at times with my higher power. I know this. What I'm asking, and I guess you answered it with the pages. Is there anything else that you, when you were struggling, that you could bend my ear to help me a little bit in the times that I lied to myself and say that I can have this? Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you for your lead. Okay. Well, you know, that's a manifestation of, of, of the disease. You know, I mean, that's a manifestation of the disease. And, and you know, my disease will always tell me that uh, I can have something even now. Uh, I was at this cookout, and, uh, uh, you know, I just laughed. You know, I mean, I laughed. I, I, you know, I laughed at myself, you know, thinking uh, that I could have some. Uh, I could never have dessert. I, I mean, I'm convinced maybe other people can. They are people. I know people in the program that can have. I cannot. I, rec- I recognize that. For me, I you know, when I hit bottom, when I when I was pushing, headed towards, you know, when I, when I was far in excess of 300 pounds, I don't even know how much I weighed. But when I got, you know, even then, I still tried to fix, manage, and control my disease. Only when I totally surrendered. Only when I totally surrendered. You know, I cannot control this disease. I cannot do it. There's nothing I can do. So there's certainly nothing I can tell you to do because I can, this, you know, I had to be just be, I had to be totally defeated. Only when I was totally defeated was I able to surrender and say, I cannot do it. As long as I'm trying to, you know, once I, once I admitted that I cannot handle this disease, I cannot handle my insomnia, God help me. God God help me. Uh, or whatever you want to call it, I say God. God help me. And then I became willing to do, to follow some directions. My sponsor is a gift from God. Uh, this lady, I love her with all my heart. She has given me directions. To, we went through the 12 steps together. And I do, what I love about her, when if I tell her something, she'll say, do you want feedback? Do you want feedback? You know, and uh, um, uh, I cannot, I can't, I can't control and manage my food today. You know, today I cannot do that. What I can do is ask God on a daily basis, every day, just one day at a time. That's the formula. That's the only formula I can give anybody. Every day, God help me. Every day. Some days it's a breeze. Some days it's challenging. You know. God help me. God help me. I'm, you know, my husband and I are going to Europe in, in next month. You know, but I, that'll take care of itself. When I get there, I have to do the same thing. Okay, God, I'm in a foreign country. Help me to get the things that I need. But I can't deal with that. You know, today, I got to deal with today. God help me to follow my plan of eating, you know, just for today. And I have another uh-huh. question. Is your plan of eating, do you pack your food and what do you do when you go on a vacation? 
It depends. It depends on where I'm going. Uh, uh, if you know, yeah, if you know, like when when we took a road trip out to the Grand, uh, uh, out to Yellowstone, I packed certain things. I took things with me, and then because of, I knew where I was going, there, you know, there are certain places where I could get what I need. But I'm going, you know, I can't take all that food on the plane. I can take certain things that I can take, but I, I can't, you know, you can't get through customs. You can't take food into a foreign country. You got, I mean, you really got to trust. I, I, but I trust God. I trust God that I'll be taken care of every time I go, you know, everywhere I go, I'm taken care of if I'm willing to do the work. I must do my share. Okay? Yeah. Thank you very much, Jody. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you. If you could mute. Thank you very much. Anyone else with a question for Nancy R. this morning? Yes, Gladys. Gladys. Hi, I have a question. I'm Frances T. from New York. Frances T. Anyone else? Judy. Judy, your last initial, please. M. M. Uh Anyone else? Gladys, yes, Judy. Um, and I have a question. And your name? Um, Dana J. Dana J. All right, excellent. Gladys, go ahead. Okay. Uh, good morning. Uh, thanks, Nancy, for your lead. I got a lot out of it. Uh. <clears throat> What I was the most impressed with is uh, your ability, <clears throat> excuse me, to uh, be able to attain your uh, some of your secular goals, even with uh, your struggle with food with uh, food addiction. I said because I was a uh, like a sugar addict since I was nine years old, and I believe that it affected a lot. You know. Because I used it was dreams that I had, but I wasn't able to attain them because I was always into the food. And then when I found uh, OA, God led me to OA uh, like 15 years ago, and the steps changed my life. I was more focused on uh, I would say like secular things, trying to make up because I was 45. I didn't have like any benefits or anything up. And I was trying to make up, and there was some improvement, but I could never really stay absent. So now that I, like, hit a bottom, and I'm in vision for you working with a vision sponsor, and I'm doing pretty good now, I was just wondering, my question is, like, do you have, like, any uh, suggestions in that area uh, so that I can have a balance? Because sometimes still in the back of my mind right now, I'm kind of self-employed and putting my recovery first. But still in the back of my mind uh, are those dreams, uh, lost dreams. And just kind of to have a balance in that as far as secular things and recovery. Whoa, I'm not, I'm not really sure, but I'll take a, I'll take a crack at it. Uh, one thing I have found out uh, uh, in this program, uh, doing you know, doing the inventory, and I found my defects. Uh, the opposite of the defect is all is an asset. Um, uh, one of my you know uh, 
I'm, part of being obsessive compulsive as I am paid off. It, it also that there's an asset to it. Uh, whatever I started, I always finished. You know, in my doctoral program, some people dropped out. I knew I wasn't going to drop out because whatever I started, I always finished it. So that became an asset in that way. Uh, in other ways, uh, it's a you know it it's a defect. So I have to constantly ask my higher power to help me, um, you know, let things go. It's hard for me to let anything go. You know, just like the young girl I uh, helped, I got her phone number, and and uh, and then you know I was talking to my sponsor. I said, well, I didn't need her phone number. I had done what I because but the old Nancy want to call her up and say, okay, what happened? And uh, you need me to do this? No. You know, my purpose was served by telling her to shut up so the police officer wouldn't arrest her. And that was it. That was it. So uh, our defects, uh, uh, when, when, when they are, you know, they're God-given traits that we have that, that just got out of whack, you know. So my defect for wanting to be helpful gets out of whack because I want to become a caregiver. But fortunately, I have not recovered be the day to say, no, don't call her. You're, you, you know, you're done. You didn't see the accident, so you can't be a witness. So what else can you do? You can't, what are you going to do, pay, pay the lawyer for her? Let it go, Nancy. I have to have those kind of internal conversations with myself because I am obsessive-compulsive. So um, my, uh, some of my um, uh, traits, you know, I've always been a go-getter, you know, and that was a, you know, there were good things about me, you know. But what happened is that it was clouded by the fact that I was so grossly obese. That's what I focused on. There were, but there are a lot of good things about me. But, the, you know, the disease tried to take them away. So uh, working the steps have helped me to uncover um, and appreciate many of the things that were always there. Thank you. Thank you, Gladys. Francis T., Thank you. Good morning. Good morning, um, Nancy. Good morning, everyone. Thank you so much for your qualification. My name is Frances T. I am a compulsive overeater in recovery one day at a time. I, this past week, had a couple of setbacks, and I noticed that my disease was calling me. I didn't, you know, thank you, God, I didn't give up my abstinence, but it was very sloppy. And one of the words that I heard you use this morning and that I've always had difficulty with is surrender. You know, I forget, even though I am a program person, even though I know that you are my sister in recovery, um, I forget. And I do believe I heard you say, you know, whenever I don't feel God, it's because I moved away. So I was focusing yesterday, last evening, and this morning on my connection with God. And when I heard you talk about the geese and the morning, et cetera, et cetera, I so identified with that. I do the same thing. Anyway, I would really appreciate it if you would just share. Is there an easy way that you just are able to, when you see yourself getting pulled in other directions, either by people, places, or things, is there an easy thing that helps you to surrender? You know, I know, I, I mean, sometimes I just say, help, you know, and I know God always is there with me, always comes in. Mm-hmm. But in the meantime, sometimes I just forget to say it. That's my question. Thank you so much. 
Thank you for, I'd I like that. You know, what, what, has helped, what has helped me most is to recognize I'm a human being. I'm not perfect. I'm not perfect. That has really helped me. I, I, you know, God gave me the right sponsor. I am not perfect, and I'm me. And sometimes I feel like I'm the most spiritual person in the world. And sometimes I feel like, you know, where is this entity? That's just my reality, you know. Uh, sometimes when I read my uh, prayer and my meditation, I read them every day. Sometimes it's like I'm just reading words. And then some days it's like the words just engulf me and wrap their arms around me. That's the way it is. I mean, that's just my reality. Sometimes I feel very spiritual. Sometimes I don't. But um, but I do, you know, every day Every day I make a conscious contact. I can't afford not to. Um, and that's just the way it is with me. Sometimes I'm, I feel so connected. And then uh, some days not as, but I recognize that I cannot afford, I cannot afford to be disconnected for long periods of time because that, you know, this disease is cunning, baffling, and powerful, and it will find a way to get back. So um, if I'm not feeling uh, that way, phone call, make some, you know, talk to somebody, talk to my, talking to, talking to my sponsees, going to a meeting, listening to a meeting. That usually helps me to get, you know, help helps me to get my footing. You know, like I mentioned earlier, there's some, something really, some ugly things going on in the church I attend. So I have to stick close to a program, you know. Uh, I don't know what's going to happen today, um, but uh, I'll talk about it with somebody. Then ask God, what am I supposed to do, you know? What is your will for me in this, you know? Uh, my my will is to leave. That's my first inclination. Let's let's get goodbye. But what is God's will for me? What is God's will for me? So that that usually helps me. Just trying to seek God's will for me, even when I can't feel it. The answers will come. I just have to be patient. I have to be patient because you know, see, I've hit bottom one time. I don't. I don't. You know, I don't want to hit bottom anymore. My bottom was ugly. It real ugly. I don't ever want to go back there. So I'm willing today. Just stay the course. That's all I can say. Stay the course. Thank you, Francis. Thank you. Your turn. Hello. We hear you. Mm -hmm. Wait a minute. Okay. I took the speaker off. This is Judy M. Can you hear me? Yes, we hear you well. Yes. First of all, I want to thank Nancy for her wonderful share. I was even taking notes, and the, the spirit was really coming down on me. I, I identified so much with her. I heard her say something about a letter. She had to write a letter to herself from God about the book, and the next thing I couldn't, I couldn't keep up just what she said. But I, I wanted to, to hear that again so I can have contact there. And then my other uh, question was, uh, when she she said, this isn't a food problem, it is a living problem, which I, I do identify with that. But when life throws you that curve, uh, what what she do to reconnect to what's going on? I mean, like all the chaoses and you pull three different directions in one day. How do you handle that? 
Okay. Uh, what my wonderful sponsor had me to write in that book, the, the page that just says Alcoholics Anonymous on it, it is, I am willing to go to any length. That's the first thing. And when I and and what happened, I was just so tired of slipping, like it says, after the people that just around the rooms keep slipping and slipping, and they keep but but they stay around the rooms. And to, to those people, I said, I to those people, I said, keep coming, keep do not leave, do not leave, do not leave. So, at, but I was tired. I just got tired of that. So I finally got a sponsor to work with me, and. Um, she said, right, I am willing to go to any length. And on June 19, 2013, I wrote this letter. It says, Dear Nancy, you are never going to have your way again as long as you live. Love, God. P.S. If you follow the directions in this book, you will thank me for it one day at a time. Uh, you know what I forgot to say during my share? One of the reasons I struggled in the rooms, and, I, and to me, I don't know how I could forget this. One of the reasons I struggled in the rooms for so long is I didn't have a sponsor. When I first came ba- uh, uh, back to the program, I got a sponsor. I worked with her for a year, and I lost about 100 pounds working with the sponsor. And then uh, sponsorship is a sacred, to me, sponsorship is a sacred uh, a gift that God has given us to work with another human being. And our departure was was very tra- very sad. I'm not going to get into the details. It was very sad. And after that, and it's nobody's fault but mine, I never really, uh, it took me a long time to ask somebody else to sponsor me. I was working with this sponsor, and then she dropped me because she's, she, she, you know, she relapsed. And, and after that, I just, I never got another sponsor. You know, nobody's fault. And I definitely don't, I definitely do not recommend that to anybody. Sponsorship is so crucial. Had I not been working with a sponsor, I would not have uh, realized the growth that I have today. So when things happen, I do a 10-step. I have to do a 10-step. What's going on? Because I've, I've been taught when I'm upset, there's something wrong with me. So, you know, I'm upset because people are not doing what I want them to do most of the time. That I'm upset because people are not doing. Life is not going the way I want them to do. So I stop and I do that 10-step. Step, and I ask God, what would you have me to do? You know, and that's how I get that. that you know, that's how I get back on my square. When I feel all that, all that stuff going, I stop. I gotta stop and do that. My sponsors help me with that. Do a ten step. Are you doing ten step work, Nancy? That is so crucial. And then, uh, 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 how can I be of service to somebody else? Get my mind off of myself and my little dramas going on. How can I help somebody else, Lord? I hope that answers the question. Thank you, Judy M. And our final question this morning comes from Dana J. Yes. Um, can you hear me? Yes. Yeah, thank you. I just wanted to say thank you so much for that uh, qualification. I just actually came into OA a few weeks ago and um, been attending a lot of uh, telephone meetings, but I will have to say this one was the most touching and emotional for me because I could identify so much uh, with the childhood history, you know, with uh, my grandmother and my mother and all of that. Um, But my question is the balance of marriage in this program, because in the last few weeks when I came into the program, you know, I'm married and 
my husband has been supportive through everything. Jenny Craig, Weight Watchers, I mean, I've tried everything, and nothing worked because they were telling me to do one thing, but I didn't realize I have this disease of compulsive overeating that is just not, that's just wasn't, I'm sure everybody knows what I mean. I'm sitting there in the chair listening to the nutritionist and all of this, and my mind is telling me I'm not going to be able to do any of this that you're saying, but um, because it was so much deeper. But now that I'm in OA, I find myself on tons of phone meetings. I find myself sitting out by the pool with my 12-step uh, book, with, my, uh, with everything just give, giving it my all. And yesterday morning, my husband was like, you you so disconnected. And so I said, okay, well, let's just spend the whole day together. So yesterday I didn't do any OA meetings. I didn't even pull my step book out. I didn't do anything. And, of course, I fell off the wagon. So I woke up today and I was like, how am I going to be married and balance this and make sure that um, – you know, I'm sticking close to the program because, as you said earlier, you really can't afford to get, be disconnected. That's my question. Oh, wow. Well, um, it, you know, for me, being married is challenging because I only got married three years ago. And um, uh, what I try to do is set boundaries, particularly with the telephone. I've explained to my husband uh, before we got married um what I am, I was compulsive overeater, and the things I had to do in order to survive. He still does not understand, and it's okay as long as I understand. Uh, I have to, if I'm going to, if, if I'm going to uh, be a uh, a loving wife, a functional human being, I have to take care of my. I must treat my food. Uh, my eating disorder, my food compulsion, my food addiction every day. I have to, I cannot afford not to. You know, I get a daily reprieve based upon me doing certain things. If I was a diabetic, I'd have to take my insulin every day. If I was on dialysis, I'd have to go to dialysis. If I, uh, uh, if I, if I was uh, needed chemo or radiation, I'd have to take those. This is just as serious. I some things I have to do. Uh, my husband complained about the number, amount of time I spent on the telephone. So I, I had a conversation, and I did not take phone calls unless, an emer, unless it's an emergency uh, after a certain time. Um, but I, I, I must go to meetings. Uh, you know, I go to meetings uh, twice a week here. I listen to uh, phone meetings. I must, this is what I have to do in order to live, you know. And uh, um, that's just the way it is. I have, I mean, you know, uh, I love him, I, and I'm enjoying being married. I think it's wonderful. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful. I'm blessed that God gave me this opportunity. But I won't be. Uh, I'll be a lunatic. I'll be back. He'd be sending me back to Chicago if I get back into that food, you know, or, or, or walk away, you know. Um, I, I don't want, you know, the life that I live today is because I work my program, regardless. There are some things I know he does not like. It's okay, and there's nothing I can do about it. I can't please. I mean, I do my best to be a good wife, and part of it is taking care of my my recovery. That is the only way I can be a good wife is to stay in recovery. If I get out of recovery, I I could care less about him. If I if I get back into my my disease, that's who I'm. That that's who my lover becomes. My stuff, honey. 
my food. That's all I'm interested in. So I have to take care of my recovery, and I have to be also respect him. That's what I do. You know, I set boundaries around my um, phone time in the evenings. You know, but uh, but if somebody calls me and they got and they need to talk, I'm gonna talk to them. You know, because I I might need to call somebody one evening, and 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 I need them to listen to me. Okay, I hope that answers your question. You know, and seek, you know, yeah. seek, I, seek, 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 you know, seek your higher power to seek the God of your understanding, show you how to deal with it one day at a time. All Thank right. You. Okay. Thank you so much, Dana J. Nancy, do you have time for one more question? Someone has. One I, I sure do. I okay. sure do. Excellent. Uh, Elizabeth, if you wanted to ask your question. Hi, Leah. Can you hear me? We can, yes. My name Go ahead. is Elizabeth S. I'm in Alberta, Canada. And I'd like to thank you very much for your story, Nancy. Um, I was one of those people who was like a tornado roaring through the lives of others. And I've been in the same church community for over 25 years. And I find in the rooms of OA, I've learned how to um, recognize my feelings and and get along with people better. But still, I know you mentioned when you go to church, sometimes you have that little disconnect. And I'm I'm feeling that kind of when I'm in that church community where I've done a lot of damage. I I just feel disconnected. And I'm wondering what you do about that. Oh, yeah, oh, absolutely. Thank you. I really need to talk about that because I'm going to something today that is so uh, so sad, so tragic. There's a big church. Is, for me, church is religion. You know, church is religion. Um, this, is just, this is just a gospel according to Nancy. Uh, church is religion. Uh, I'm a musician. I love the music. I love the music. I just love the music. I'm, I, I mean, I love the music. That's where I get my spirituality during the service. When I'm playing the music, there's it's such a spiritual experience. I listen to uh, the sermon, and some and sometimes, some not all the time, but sometimes I hear messages that I really connect with. I like the camaraderie. I'm new to this town, so I've gotten a sense of community with uh, these people, my new community. But my true spiritual community is OA. My my true spiritual community is OA. I can be free with the people in my OA meetings. I'll share things with them I wouldn't dare share with those people in that church. Um, my relationship with my higher power happens, you know, one-on-one when I'm by myself in the morning, when I'm doing my prayer and my meditations, when I'm taking walks, when I'm listening to the birds. I had to separate. It took me a while to separate the two. Church, church represents religion. It's organized. It's structured. I got to do certain things, you know, and I choose to belong to a, 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 a religious community. Uh, so uh, sometimes I get, uh, you know, I get a real good uh, blessing spiritually going there. Sometimes I don't, but I just enjoy going, you know. But my, my, my spiritual growth has been a result of working these steps. I never could have, I never would have gotten it in the church. I've been in the church all my life, and I never got it. 
Now, some people get it there. Some people, because when, when, when I reflect on the things my grandmother used to say, she had it. She got it there. I couldn't. I never could get it there. Uh, but she was able to. Some people can get it. I didn't. I got mine in the rooms. My, my spiritual growth happened in the rooms of Overeaters Anonymous. That's, how, that's where I truly found God, that's where I can, and that's where I continue to grow. So I'm able to take the spirituality that I have with me into the organized religious setting and enjoy it. And, and, and I have to remember that a lot of people there don't have programs. From the pulpit down, they don't have programs. They have a lot of religion, but they don't have, they don't have a spiritual program. And, so, and as a result, some strange and unusual things happen. But it's none of my business. Take care of my, I try to take care of my, myself. That's a full-time job. I hope that answers your question. Thank you, Elizabeth S. And thank you, Nancy, for such a touching story of rebirth and recovery. Thank you very, very much. I'm going to close from page 164. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.